Welcome to the Outside Inside Radio Hour, a volunteer-produced project brought to you by Prison Arts Collective. Prison Arts Collective is founded on the belief that art is a human right and is dedicated to bringing the transformative power of the arts to people experiencing incarceration. Our collaborative teaching teams include faculty, students, and staff, and our classes include art making, art history, reflection, and the cultivation of a safe space. We are based in the School of Art and Design at San Diego State University and have additional chapters at three CSU campuses, San Bernardino, Fresno, and Fullerton. Prison Arts Collective is a project of Arts and Corrections, an initiative of the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. The Outside Inside Radio Hour is a way for us to communicate with our participants and with the wider public through video and other media as an extension of our distance learning project created in response to COVID-19. Each of our guests is a return resident who continues to pursue a creative life. Our guest today is Wendy Staggs, a published poet, singer, actor, and activist. She's dedicated herself to teaching people about the transformative power of the arts and to advocating for people who've been affected by incarceration. Hey, Wendy. Hi. So have you always been creative or was it something that you sort of discovered later in life? You know, there were moments, my mom wasn't a creative person. She was a, a teacher, but she was a PE teacher. So I had a lot of sports and stuff in my life, but I wasn't really nurtured in the aspect of the arts. And there were always things that I had done kind of like I started writing at a young age and had won an award in second grade. And I was an only child and it was just my mom and I, and she would say, oh my gosh, you're so creative. And, you know, there was things that happened along the way. And then I started doing beaded jewelry and um, making dream catchers and all these like different things. But I kind of just did them out of the, the like interest of doing something that gave me like space to not think about the world, but I didn't really know the extent of it. It was kind of just doing crafts. But then uh, during my last incarceration, I was incarcerated after a very, well, actually after two right in a row domestic violence relationships, but the first one really just broke me. It completely broke me. And then of course I got into another relationship and was by far, uh, no, I was not ready. I was not well. And it by no means should have been in a relationship, but that one also was very abusive. And so by the time I knew I had to turn myself into prison, I just was like, okay, you know, this is going to be the best thing for me. And then when I got to prison, uh, I hadn't been to prison in 20 years. And when I got there, I just realized how angry and charged the women's population had now become 20 years later. And so I left a whole bunch of violence to step into a whole bunch of violence. And I just really needed to find a way to stay out of my room and out of the mix. And I started to just endeavor into whatever kind of uh, different discipline of arts. They had so many. And I don't think that they were as common I mean, they weren't used for healing. It's so strange because I actually, when I went to prison 20 years ago, I got out and I became a drug, drug and alcohol counselor. I was certified to the state. And then 10 years later, I ended up back in prison. And, and I knew all of the classes. I graduated top of my class 4.0. And I knew grief and anger management and 
you know, all the domestic violence and none of that kept me from making bad decisions or getting into a relationship that ended up being violent. And it was like, I didn't want to go through all those classes and stuff again. I felt like that wasn't something I needed to do. What I needed to do was find a different avenue of light. And I found that through journalism and spoken word, poetry, the actors game, you know, just school education, just so many different ways to like release uh, the visual arts, learning how to draw and painting or creating with, you know, tissue paper. It was just such a different experience and it was just saved my life basically. So did you feel like there was a little bit more freedom for self-discovery, learning those kinds of things as opposed to the more self-help type of stuff? Yeah. I mean, with self-help, there's everybody's, everybody has their own stuff they're going through. Right. And it's like, everybody's on different levels. Well, that's kind of like art. Everybody's on different levels, but the thing with art is there's no judgment. There's no right and wrong, you know, and, and I think that being able to like open your heart and allow that to just be present, you know, to be vulnerable and to not have judgment from others really changed how I was able to look at myself. I had been judged most of my life. You know, I went to a rich school district um, and I was not rich by any means. My mom was single. She was an educator. So dealt with classism and I knew um, what judgment was. And it just felt, it felt freeing and liberating to be in a space where I was finally able to freely and safely look at myself and the things that had broken me. You know, I was molested as a child. I was raped at the age of 15 by five of my peers. And, you know, it's no wonder I used drugs, right? My dad left when I was seven. I just had a lot of stuff going on and didn't really have an avenue of how to work my way out of that. And of course, ended up in prison for the first time. That was the first time I had been uh, sober since I was 13. And I got to prison when I was 25. So that I felt like an adult in an adolescent body because my mind had really kind of stayed back where I started using drugs. And even though prison is such a toxic place, I found this space of the fact that it didn't matter that I was in prison. And people used to ask me, how, how can you be so happy? Well, you know what? I made a conscious decision to do so. I just was tired of being comfortable of being miserable. I had to do something different. You said that you turned yourself in the second time. So what was the final thing that you thought that prison was a possibly better reality than the reality that you had at that moment? You know, it's so crazy because I remember I, I was selling pounds and pounds of methamphetamine. And I remember sitting at my house while I was fighting the case right one day. And I said, you know, I just spoke to my higher power to God. For me, it's Jesus Christ. But I said, is it going to take another prison term for me to get right? You know, that's what I said. And I kind of like spoke that into existence because the first time I went to prison was the first time I even learned about who I was as an adult. Because like I said, I'd never been sober or clean. I started smoking pot at 13 and drinking. So I had never been um, clear-minded. But this, this, I had had children and had been clean for a while and had worked in the prison as a counselor. And it was like, I really just felt like when I went back to prison, oh, you know, I'm going to be able to find space again. And then I, 
I was stuck in this space with all this violence. And I thought, oh, wow, this is not what it was all those years ago. And so I had to really search for a way to stay away from all of that. And there were, there were places, there were other people that were on the same journey as I was that were seeking a way to find themselves. And I think art, you know, as children, the very first thing that is removed when districts run out of money is the arts, the sports and arts and all these things. And it's like, why, you know, exercise and being artistic or music is so important to our being. That's why it was in school in the first place. Why are they so stuck on all these academics and taking away the part of school that actually helps people stay whole? Somewhere along the way, we've just lost all that and people get lost. And I was able to find my way out, but a lot of people can't. So I feel a huge responsibility, huge to not forget the ones I left behind and continue to advocate and reach back for them. So what was it about the prison culture that you think changed between the first time and the second time and the way that you experienced it as so much more full of violence than it was? Well, back in the 90s, prison, women's prison was structured a lot different. And we were allowed to have our own personal things and our families sent us our boxes and we had boom boxes right like music and and it looked like a college campus and basically somewhere along the way they took away all the things that made women feel like women and somewhere on the street transitions started to happen where instead of women were the girlfriends or the wives of gang members now women were gang members as well and so I noticed, and the thing that broke my heart, I think the most coming back 22 years later, or 20 years later, but then seeing all those lifers that were still there from when I was there 20 years earlier, broke my heart. It was like an eye opening experience for me because I had gotten out, met somebody, had children, gone to school, you know, graduated from a junior college. It was like, I had had all these experiences and these people were still in there fighting for their life. And also there was also a change in the prison culture where now anytime there was a fight or a medical emergency or anything, it's yard down, yard down. And you're expected to like lay down or sit down on the ground. And they didn't do that to us before you, if you heard an alarm across the yard, you knew something very serious was happening. Now it happens all the time. It sounds like the whole thing is um, pretty cyclical um, for, you know, for arts to be removed from public education and then for people to become involved in gangs and then to be viewed immediately as a threat on the yard. In the early 2000s, when they had lost a lot of funding, they took all the arts away. And so it wasn't until just recently in the last like five years where People have advocated and said, listen, this works. It genuinely works. And there used to be a thing called hobby craft, right? They even took that away. Women couldn't order crochet hooks anymore. They couldn't crochet. They couldn't make gifts for their family and send them home or make gifts for children. And just like they took the humanity away, not only for women, but for men too. And like I said, the first thing when cuts come, 
what's the first thing they take away? The things that really keep a person balanced, you know, and that's their creativity. So it was acting that you started with first, right? Uh, I, I believe the very first thing I started with was visual arts with Prison Arts Collective. But now I'm the, I mean, I stayed in contact with them and I'm the first alumna to uh, actually be an advisory board member. So what was it like exercising that muscle of beginning to use your voice through the arts? Uh, You know, I have to tell you, and I've said this so many times, when I, when I made a decision, this is what I said to myself. Okay, so ex- other than going to school, which was in my 30s, I had never really, I barely graduated high school. I had never really completed anything. I always had great ideas and started it, but I never finished anything. And so I told myself, Wendy, you're not going to start something that you can't finish. And, and there would be other groups that I would want to do, but I would be doing so many other groups that if they conflicted, I would not do one because I won't do something half, halfway through. And so every single thing I've ever done, I never missed a class, not one. And I think that um, that alone changed how things looked, but I never realized how much I missed just the healthy interaction between people because it had been so long since I'd had healthy interaction. You know, and you're talking about healthy interaction in a prison where everybody's broken and everybody's got their own stuff going on. You know, I wrote an essay to apply to the UCLA uh, creative writing class. It was a pilot program that they did. And I wrote an essay and I was one of the nine women chosen. And I thought to myself, well, I've always kind of been good with poetry. When I started to write about the pain and then share it openly, I realized that speaking on it myself, it no longer had power over me. And like people would look at me and ask, you know, well, that's personal. Why would you say that? Well, you know why? Because I don't have to keep it a secret anymore. I've been keeping secrets my whole life. And every brush that I painted with, every stroke of a pencil, you know, the lines drawn by the pencil, Every story that I wrote for our publication, you know, in journalism and every educational class that I went to, it just like opened this locked door in my heart. And it just, I don't even know how it happened. I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And by the time I got out, I just really had this space of healing and release. And I just didn't hold on to the things that had hurt me you know i was finally able to find a space to let all that go and just to realize that i was worthy you know that i valued myself i don't think i needed i thought my whole life i needed acceptance from others but what i was lacking was the acceptance from myself which i ended up finding through the arts that's wonderful and i think that's a really hard thing to learn no matter who you are that no one is going to give you that acceptance and you have to do it on your own. Um, With the people that you've taught and with the people that you've encountered um, in both teaching and activism and collaborating, um, what do you think is the hardest part about that first step about being vulnerable for most people? You know, 
people okay so let me just give you an example of the actors gang the actors gang was a program and we would go in and we would play games and we would do a you know 16th century form of theater 15th century it's called comedia dell'arte and all the exercises that we would do we would do in four four states and that's happiness sadness anger and fear every other feeling falls under those four everything and it would be it would really break my heart right when we would start to play games which was like throwing balls across the room to each other or walking freely in space or playing little games that seemed quirky there were women who literally like this is dumb i can't do it and i got it i understood why because they weren't able to like be vulnerable they the fact that people might laugh at them or and it just it broke my heart that a lot of people were never allowed to play as kids. Poverty has, you know, stolen things from them. And I think learning to find a place of vulnerability would not have been possible if there weren't so many volunteers that came in so freely, right? And offered their heart in such a safe space. Now, even if they do that doesn't mean that people will find that space of vulnerability. It's almost like you have to be ready and, and willing because nothing's gonna change it until you open your heart and you're ready for that. Because I was in my 40s in prison a second time 20 years later, never would have thought I would have gone back to prison. But it, it took a safe place, I think. And not always is it like that. But when you have women that are truly just open and volunteers that come in and they're no judgment, no judgment whatsoever. Man, that really just gave me a space to grow. So you kind of touched on the fact that trauma is kind of what keeps people from getting there in the first place. And how has your own trauma sort of translated once you got out? You know, I think for me, I, I sought counseling and I didn't tell anybody I had been molested till I was 26 years old. It happened when I was seven and 10. And I held myself responsible as a child. And it's like, I ended up going to counseling. I ended up saying something when I was in, a, in this like program in county jail on my way to prison the first time. And I finally found a voice with that. And then I started being very open about it and this and that. And it's like, I, I went to counseling while I was in school and I talked about it and I wrote about it. And it's like, that wasn't the issue. You know, okay, I finally admitted a secret and stuff. I think, like we talked about the self-help stuff. That's all important. But it's so much more important to realize that we have inside ourselves, we have the ability to find healing within ourselves. But we have to know that we're worthy first. and. I did all that counseling and all that stuff. And it's still just, I still just needed acceptance from others. And I just never knew why, you know, and I don't know, the arts just opened up something that never, it was in there the whole time, but it just never was present. And I think part of that comes with age. You know, I remember that some of the women 20 years ago and then seeing them 20 years later, they were completely grown, grown up you know, and they had calmed down and they had um, started fighting for their lives. And I think 
a lot of that has to do with wisdom and age and maturity and again a safe place to do it so what have you been doing lately um that you're really excited about is there anything that you're working on uh well i mean it's been hard this year because as you know right yeah. we're in 2020 and yeah. i'm very active in i mean i'm a member and a mentor in the anti-recidivism coalition uh, i am an advisory board member for the prison arts collective i'm a member of the california coalition for women's prisoners I'm a member of the Sisters Freedom Coalition. I mean, I'm up and I'm the chapter lead also out here in the Inland Empire for ARC. But with all that being said, I can't, it's hard for me to sit on a computer screen all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just not who I am. That's why I could never have a desk job because I'm about being outside and being free and being active. And so it kind of has pulled me away. Um, and what I've done is I, I started to make things here at my house. I've started doing mandala painting. And recently when I was in a UCLA class at the end, I made all of the professors dream catchers. And I feel like this has been a time of reflection because when I got out, I was so gun ho on, okay, I got to get this situated. I got to get that situated. And I bought, my my first home a mobile home right but my daughter lives with me who was in foster care while i was in prison and so once i was able to like get situated right i kind of found this place of okay i can breathe i'm comfortable every other time before that the two and a half years before me buying this place because i've been out for three and a half years i was just active in all these different things and nothing ever, I couldn't start school. I couldn't do anything because I never was in the same place. You know, I lived six months here. I lived a year there. It was just ongoing. So now, I mean, I'm still doing UCLA classes through the, the prison education program, which I was a part of when I first got out, which is the UCLA class that I did inside. I stayed in contact with all the organizations. I contacted them immediately when I got out because I didn't want to go back to my old ways. I wanted to stay in contact with these people and be on board with their program to help the ones that were still inside and to keep myself well. I had become such a huge member of that community in prison. I was just in all these different groups. I just did everything. And then all of a sudden I got out and they stuck me into a drug program and I'm in a program with all these women who are just coming off the streets and they're just not in the same space as I was. So I just, I felt like I needed to connect with all of those programs the best that I could so I could find my way. And I did, and it worked. And now a lot of those programs are hiring, you know, their alumni. And that's amazing. That's an amazing thing. People are starting to shift how they see recovery. And I don't just mean recovery like na or a i mean when people come in and they re-enter they're starting to realize that if we don't have any opportunities for them they're going to go back and do the same thing because it's all they know right we can't go to school we can't get licensed in anything because we have felonies and it's like why not we worked three times as hard to go back to school and to get a degree so i think things are starting to change on how we 
look at what we're offering people as a second chance because before there was nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I think that um, I think it's very important that you can't you can't be always giving 24 seven. So even though this year was like very unexpected and wasn't necessarily what you had in mind, I'm so happy for you that you found a a bit of stability um, because you're doing great work. And I think that everyone needs a chance to recharge. And I'm glad that you're getting that chance. I think all of us have, right? I think everybody has, has actually had a chance to say, man, this is what I've been missing. I've been doing this, you know, nine to five job or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden you're stuck at home and it's like, wow, I can play with my kids. I can do this. I can do that. People are doing projects at their house, which again is creativeness, right? Mm -hmm. And man, I think the whole world, it really did give everybody a space to start looking at what they haven't been doing. And Mm -hmm. for me, I am brokenhearted that I can't be active because I like to do that. But instead of, you know, feeling like I lost something, I wanted to feel like I gained something. And so my daughter, like I said, who was in foster care, she's going to be 22 in December, but she's going to Cal State San Bernardino. She lives with me and she's with me all the time. And I have twin boys and one of their 19 and one is in the Marines and one still lives with their dad. Well, the one that lives with their dad and his stepmom, he still doesn't want to have a relationship with me. But the other son who has moved out of the house so he could get some freedom and start his own life, we have completely reconciled. And, you know, to me, that's important because if I hadn't have gotten well, I would have never had a chance to have my kids back in my life. I had a choice. My kids, we didn't talk when I was in prison. I could have sat in that guilt and that shame about how I didn't have them, about how my boys were with their dad. And I could have done that, right? But I made a conscious decision to take that time to work on me, to work on myself, and to worry about my relationships with them later. And that's what allowed me to finally just look at me not worrying about all the other exterior things that I had no control over. And even if my children had never talked to me again, I mean, or when I first got out, let's say, I wanted to stay well. So the day that they did come back into my life, I would be living a life that they would be proud of. I didn't want to go back and do the same thing and blow that chance again. So I think it's really important that people give themselves a break while they're there and allow that time to work on them and then take care of those relationships once you're out and better. I think that's amazing advice. And um, if you are comfortable, I'd like to invite you to read the poem that you mentioned earlier. Oh my goodness. So UCLA um, came in and did a pilot program and the the nine women that were chosen, we got to revise, adapt a script that came from the East Coast. It was called What It Is. And it was written originally by formerly incarcerated people. And we just adapted it for LA instead of it being like from Brooklyn, from New York. 
Well, while we were doing that, I just sat down and I wrote a poem. And since then, since I've been out, UCLA's Women Law Journal has has published it. And so I will share this poem and it is named What It Is. What it is and what it isn't. I'm just trying to be the biggest person I know how to be. Watching the sunrise and the sunset, trying never to forget why I'm here on this pier protected from the storm's waves. New roads, new paths trying to be paved. Man, what the hell is wrong with us? All this racism and prejudice? Some see skin and some see color and others see race, but me, I just see that beautiful person in that face. You say vaginal walls, I say they don't define me. All they've done is keep the man inside of me. Too bad I couldn't hold him down or keep him from beating on me or sleeping around. I don't know, maybe a man could be trustworthy instead of him always having to send me away on a gurney. What it is and what it isn't. I'm just trying to be the biggest woman I know how to be. Trying to overcome childhood trauma, escaping the gossip and the drama, not small, growing tall, cause damn it, I have a voice after all. Never again to be silenced by the rage and the violence. I'm like a Timex, I keep on ticking, surviving the beatings and the lickings, soaring like eagles with majestic grace and discovering a new realm and a warm, safe place. What it is and what it isn't. I'm just trying to be the biggest. Mother, I know how to be. Won't let my kids be eaten by the streets or deny my mistakes for them to repeat. Hourglass time takes away as they grow, but a brand new mother they soon will know. I'm healed, I'm strong, and I'm very humble. Foundation firm, no chance to crumble. The daughter and sons that God gave to me will soon see the restoration that he's done in me. No skeletons in closets for me to hide. Transparency is how angels fly. What it is and what it isn't. It just is what it is. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you can find further information on our Instagram at Prison Arts Collective. To find out how you can help us continue to provide our programming, please visit our website at www dot prisonartscollective.com